0: And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I'm sad to announce Christmas is over. Christmas is over, but do not fret, for Epiphany has only begun. Yesterday, January 6th, we celebrated the beginning of Epiphany. Epiphany is the season which the church enters into to celebrate, to remember, to commemorate the coming of the light of the gospel, especially the mystery of the inclusion of Gentiles into the people of God. This is the mystery of the gospel that God has reconciled for himself a people. He has reconciled for himself a people of all nations, not just Jew, but Gentile as well. And we commemorate this, not for just one day, but for an entire season. An epiphany is a season of revealing. Much as uh, Christmas is a time where God revealed his son, uh, born of the Virgin Mary, we continue that theme of revealing in the season of epiphany. And here on the first Sunday of Epiphany, we remember the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. The baptism of Jesus Christ is a little bit of a head scratcher. If you just read over it quickly, you think, "Okay, a couple verses continue on. But when you stop to look at what Jesus Christ did, what he allowed to happen to him, it's a bit of a head scratcher. Baptism, at least the baptism that John proclaimed, was for the forgiveness of sins. Why would Jesus, he who has no sin, who had no sin, submit to baptism by John? He had no sin to be forgiven of, so why would he submit to be baptized by John? Well, it seems that in the baptism of Jesus Christ our Lord, Something is being revealed. This is why we read it here in the first Sunday of Epiphany, this season of revelation, this season of revealing is because in the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is revealed to be exactly who he is. The Father, Son and the Holy Spirit are present here in the waters of the Jordan and reveal their redemptive purpose of the Son of God. The baptism of Jesus reveals who he is for the voice comes from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. This is a trustworthy word. This is a word which pierces through the heavens, which pierces through the darkness, which pierces into our hearts. That the one which we follow, the one which we see today being baptized by John in the river Jordan, is the son of God. He is the beloved of God in whom God is well pleased. And in Matthew's account of the baptism of John in, John, in Matthew chapter three, it has a little part which is not included in the other accounts, which gives us a little glimpse into why this would happen. Why would Jesus choose to reveal himself in this way? Indeed, why would the triune God choose to reveal the redemptive purposes for humanity in this way? John, much like me and much like maybe some of you, are perplexed at this way of revealing. Jesus says that he is coming to John to be baptized and John like I would, and like many of you would, would say, Jesus, no, this is backwards. You should be baptizing me. I'm preaching a baptism to prepare your way. Why would, you, why would I baptize you? You're the entire reason I'm baptizing at all. And Jesus answers, John, this is to fulfill all Righteousness. And it says that when Jesus said this, that what we are about to do, John, is to fulfill all righteousness, John consented. He realized that what Jesus was asking him to enter into is something bigger than himself. It is to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus did not need to be cleansed. He did not need the forgiveness of sins, but rather he came and was baptized by John in the Jordan to bring cleansing and to bring the forgiveness of sins. For it's by his baptism he is revealed to be exactly who he is, for he is God's beloved son in whom he is well pleased. The prophet Isaiah cries out these words. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. This is towards the end of the prophet Isaiah's writings. And it seems that the prophet is getting to the end of himself. He's realizing the darkness and the exile and the problems of this world. That the only solution is that God would rip open the heavens and come down. And make things right. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. O Lord. This is the cry of the prophet Isaiah. And here, as Jesus is submerged into the waters of the Jordan River and comes up, the heavens are opened. And the Holy Spirit, as a dove, descends upon him and rests upon him. And the voice of the Lord declares that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The cry of Isaiah is answered, brothers and sisters. The cry of all of us is answered, and it is answered by the presence of God in the flesh. It is answered by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfilled all righteousness by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection on the third day. For just as we are buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life, this is only possible because his baptism is the baptism that we are baptized into. Our baptism is not really our baptism. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Jesus Christ. We are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized in no other name but the triune name, the name of the Lord who created and who redeems and who sanctifies us by his grace. And it's in Jesus's baptism that the three persons of the Trinity show up to show that just like in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Lord is about to do something just as amazing. He is going to redeem creation. He's going to recreate. He hears the cry of all of us from the darkness and exile and brokenness that we all experience. The fall has extended to every corner of God's creation. But God has come and sent his beloved son in whom he is well pleased to redeem the world. To bring light into the darkness, to bring exiles out, to break the bondage of sin and death and to redeem for himself children. Who were once children of darkness, now they are children of light. Who were once children of the devil, are now children of God. We see here, mirrored in our Lord's baptism, our baptism. Because... As we have faith in him, we are buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. To achieve the redemption of the world, Jesus had to fulfill all righteousness. And this began on his, in his earthly ministry with the baptism of John. This was the inauguration of his redemptive work here on earth. But it was only the beginning. It was inaugurated, but it only ended on the cross. It only ended in the resurrection from the dead three days later. For Christ came to fulfill all righteousness. And he himself says that he came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so while Jesus had no need of the baptism for the forgiveness of sins, all of us do. And so he submitted to be baptized by John in the Jordan for us. He lived his life so that we might live. He died So that we might die no more. He rose again so that we might rise to life eternal. His baptism is only the beginning for the baptism, which he would be baptized is one which none of us could bear. The cup which he would drink from is one that none of us could drink from. For only the son of God could take the cup of wrath fully and drain it to the dregs for us. Only the Son of God in whom the the Father is well pleased could be baptized into death so that the world might have eternal life. He was baptized not to be cleansed or to receive forgiveness, but to sanctify us and to bring forgiveness to us. He was not hallowed by the water, but indeed the water was hallowed by him. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove and rests upon him. And thus, just like in the beginning, when the formless and void waters are brought to completion, brought to rest. So we are brought to rest in these waters of baptism. We are baptized into Christ. What he achieved in his baptism, in his life, in his death and resurrection, we receive by baptism. Baptism is a work of God. Baptism is a work of faith. And indeed, Luther puts it this way, that we do not put our faith, we do not place our baptism based on our faith. But rather, we place our faith in our baptism. I grew up in a time where it was very common to doubt whether the first baptism that took place in a person's life really stuck. Well, I didn't really mean it back then. I didn't really know what I was doing. So, let me get baptized again. This thinking makes sense if we base our baptism on our faith. Or our seriousness, on our committedness. But this is backwards. Rather, we should place our faith, place our committedness, place all of our hope in the fact that we have been baptized into Christ by grace through faith. We have all that we have by faith, that we are baptized into Christ and are made a new creation. Nothing less will do. We are buried in these waters and raised to walk in newness of life. That our life is hid in Christ with God. As we pour this water upon the head or submerge a person in these waters in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, we know and trust that he is faithful to do it. He will save us through the waters of baptism. This is how he has set things up. This is what we believe that baptism is the certain, sure means of God's grace. It's how he works, just as he created in the beginning by the word and the water. So he recreates by the washing of the water and the word. And in baptism, we believe that we are made a member of Christ, a child of God and an inheritor of the kingdom. All that we have is found in our baptism. We base our faith on this baptism, on this concrete, objective fact that we are a son and a daughter of God. And then when we are found in Christ, when we are baptized into his body, we are, are a child of God. We are raised to walk in newness of life. Indeed, God looks at us and says, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. For what Christ had by nature, we have by grace. We have what Christ had by nature By grace, he has given us all of his righteousness and taken upon himself all our unrighteousness so that we might become inheritors of his kingdom. What he began in his baptism and finished in his resurrection, we have in our baptism and in Christ, in our baptism, We hear those words which God, the father, declared to his son at his baptism. We also will hear by faith at the end. You are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. Come, ye blessed children of my father in heaven, inherit the kingdom which is prepared for you before all ages. And as we have this hope. That one day we will hear those blessed words. We remember our baptism daily. We die to self and are raised to life in Christ every day. And every Sunday we come and celebrate the Lord's death until he comes. For when we partake of the bread, when we partake of the cup, we remember Christ's death until he comes. For it's in the cross that our life is found. It's in the cross That we see the love of God revealed towards mankind. We are new creation. We are a new creation in Christ. And God has surely and certainly made you a child of God. Not of works, but of grace. Shown through the waters of baptism. It's not your work. It's God's work in you. He does what is pleasing to him within you. He has made you a child of God. And all that we have and all that we are and all that we will be is found in Christ alone. And so as we live this life and daily walk in baptism and remembering his death as he comes, we have that certain and sure hope that we will be where he is right now. That what we have by faith, we will then have by sight. And we will hear those blessed words of the father. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech thee, almighty God, that the words which we have heard this day with our outward ears may through thy grace be so grafted inwardly in our hearts, that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of thy name.